Hello, friends. As longtime listeners know, one sign you're dealing with a special episode is hearing me instead of visiting vocal talent setting up the show. I have a few full-length episodes in various planning stages that I'll be excited to share throughout the fall, but I thought I'd interrupt the summer break that the old school teacher in me revels in to bring you audio from the 10-minute keynote I delivered to all the school superintendents in New York State in Albany in early March. This was the Winter Institute of the New York State Council of School Superintendents, a.k.a. NISCUS in public school parlance. The theme of the convention was the road to awesome, which I want to observe now because I refer to the road to awesome twice during my remarks. I didn't get to pick that theme, but I did get to choose the theme of my remarks, which was how to engage students as citizens. Aligning with my major research and teaching interests of civil discourse and student perceptions of school, engaging students as citizens has only increased in importance in recent months as the race for president heats up, as well as our climate in this hottest summer on record, and of course, our culture wars continue to blaze. The style of this keynote is called an ignite speech, meant to fire people up, but also meaning that the accompanying slide deck cycles at an automatic clip of 30 seconds per slide. I mention this for two reasons. First, sometimes you hear me speeding up or slowing down a bit to sync with the merciless pace of the auto advance of the slides. Second, I make a joke about the name Ignite early in my remarks while I'm showing a slide depicting seven of the most banned books in recent years. For example, The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini or Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, Engulfed in Flames. Designed by my dear friend Roy Chambers, that image appears on the show page if you want to check it out and in the video version of the speech now available on the Point of Learning YouTube channel. Alright, without further ado, here is Superintendent Martha Group of the Central New York District, Vernon Verona Sherrill, in her capacity as president of NISCUS. If you were missing some Schaefer James as intro music, wait for it. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Peter Horn for the first Ignite session titled, How to Engage Students as Citizens. Please help me in welcoming my friend and colleague, Dr. Peter Horn, to the stage. This song was written by Schaefer James, a talented student I first met as my student in English for college prep 25 years ago, my first year teaching. After learning about his passion for music and theater, I made sure to attend the school shows that he was doing. Today, he has fans around the world with two million streams and downloads per month. I can't claim any credit for his success. He's worked his butt off for years. But I do claim that school plays an important role in whether or not young people come to believe that they have the power to change their community and the world, which is why I'm honored to be joining you here this morning on the road to awesome, speaking about how to engage students as citizens. We have all seen in recent years that the small d democratic features of our republic are much more fragile than we may have grown up believing. Now you may think that I took the Ignite label a little bit too literally, but this is a reminder of the stakes that you all know too well. Yes, some people do want to ban and burn books, usually somehow in the name of freedom, but many more people get rich or get elected or both 
fanning flames of anger and fear. Thank you for the good work that you do, especially in these strange times. I'm not a superintendent, but I do get to work with some great ones. To me, the solution lies in the quality of relationship between citizens, between neighbors, between family members, and with respect to what we as educators can influence most directly between teachers and students. As a classroom teacher for 18 years, I saw that students tended to learn more the more I learned to understand them as individuals with interests and whole lives outside of my classroom. My subsequent research bears that out. Students don't need our help learning to be consumers, but they do need our help learning compassion and empathy and respect for others with different perspectives. Chances are good they won't learn from cable news or YouTube how to respect others' views or marshal evidence to make an argument. One focus of my work as an educator, teacher, and now consultant is to teach these skills and dispositions. With the right support, young people can learn to listen and make arguments in good faith. If students believe that their views and actions can make a difference in their school community, they will be much more likely to believe they can make a difference in the larger community as adults. I make no assumptions about what you in your districts may or may not be doing already. Indeed, I would love to learn that from you. But here are nine ways to start. One, respect student input about teaching. Most students are not experts in calculus or Mandarin, but all students are experts in the ways that they learn best. But we don't ask them, or we don't ask them regularly enough. For 18 years as a classroom teacher, the best feedback I ever got on my teaching came from reading anonymous answers to these three questions by every student at the end of every marking period. Two. Debate less, discuss more. Classroom debates with winners and losers are often awkward exercises, with students worried most about looking stupid in front of their peers. Instead, strive for conversations where students help each other think through matters of real interest. Yes, this is hard. Facilitating a real discussion is, I believe, the most difficult skill for a classroom teacher to master. Coaching is often necessary, but it can come from colleagues who excel at it. Three, develop critical literacy strategies. Put simply, critical literacy pushes beyond the basic reading skills of decoding and comprehension, strengthening students' abilities to engage texts ranging from science books to poems to pop-up internet ads and ask critical questions about authorship, implicit assumptions, and consequences. Critical literacy deepens students' ability to engage a whole range of texts and how they influence our ideas and actions. Four, solicit student viewpoints across the curriculum. Students can practice critical thinking and discussion in every subject area, from the pros and cons of vitamin supplements in phys ed to differing strategies to solving a proof in geometry. Again, my theory of action is that kids are much likelier to behave like citizens as adults if they've had practiced feeling like citizens in school. Five, let students co-create learning experiences. Many teachers offer engaging assignments, but comparatively few seek out students' input in helping to design assignments, labs, and essential questions that would really fire them up. We adults tend to do school the way it was done to us. 
But as we strive to connect with kids who have ready access to parts of the world we didn't even know existed growing up, it's time to change the game. Six, invite students to serve on school committees. You probably have a committee right now where student voice would valuably inform the conversation, whether it's student stress or academic integrity or revising the district mission statement. This image comes from a focus group I ran last month with Martha Group and Vernon Verona Sherrill, meeting with middle schoolers to get their feedback on language for a draft of a survey for which they had previously contributed ideas for questions. Seven, provide opportunities for students to practice civil discourse. Beginning after the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, I co-moderated an after-school discussion forum open to all members of the high school community. We practiced respectful conversations about hard topics, from textbook censorship to same-sex marriage to the killing of Trayvon Martin. As the Penn Fellow for Democratic and Civic Engagement this year, I'm studying opportunities in and around Buffalo for students to participate in civil discourse, so I'm going to spend a few more fast-paced slides on this one. NYU social psychologist Jonathan Haidt likes to quip that when it comes to making arguments, we all think we are acting like scientists, objectively evaluating data and analytically drawing conclusion, when in fact we are much more like defense lawyers, ardently defending a position that we already believe. Because we are so fallible when it comes to our own beliefs, we need each other to help us, to challenge us to think better and deeper. This is, of course, the point of the Socratic method or the adversarial system in our courts of law. Argument gets challenged by counter-argument in an effort to seek the truth. To do this well, respect and trust are critical. It's not about proving your opponent wrong. It's about getting to the truth. We don't need to start with the most controversial, politically fraught topics. Indeed, you can't go deep until respect and trust have been established in a group. But how about an earnest conversation with kids and colleagues about the ways that AI should or should not affect the ways that we teach writing? Is it like calculators once were for math or Google Translate for world languages? How or how not? Back to the list. Number eight, make public art Many schools honor student expression through formal outlets like literary magazines or school concerts or district art shows, but also important are informal student-organized coffee houses or art-infused interdisciplinary projects that let students share their ideas about the world. As you know well, there are many kids who will not feel comfortable raising their hand in class or putting what they really think into writing, but every kid has something to say. One of my favorite examples comes from 2011 when I was teaching Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man to a group of seniors who wanted to explore the ways that they feel invisible in their own school as a result of depression or poor grades or LGBTQ identity. So they chose various locations around the building and volunteered to have classmates literally paint them into the background. This is a still from the YouTube video. Nine. Let students lead, especially given our increasingly digital world. Students have a great stake in relevant preparation when it comes to technology and innovative thinking. In the alternative school I used to lead way back in 2013, we selected a group of students to pilot our district's first one-to-one -one laptop initiative. Students met our expectation that they set and solve problems and gradually leaned into their leadership potential. 
Here's the list again. The slide deck will be included in your conference materials, and I would love to talk with you further about any of the ideas that I suggested today. My podcast for a general audience is called Point of Learning. My next guest will be Jonathan Kozel in the episode that drops later this month. It's available on this website. I am Peter Horn, and I am honored to be addressing you today. I hope to see you again soon on the road to awesome. That's it for today's special episode offered without a commercial break. You know, I have to say that at the start of the summer, I was pitched pretty hard to add an advertiser to this show, which is the way most podcasts that enjoy a certain following do it to keep the lights on, as it were. I thought about it for a while, flattered that a company was interested in my passion project all about what and how and why we learn. But you know, I like the way things are set up now with the monthly or one-time contributions so that those who enjoy and share these episodes can kick in a few dollars directly to the show. You can learn more about how to do that on the show page. If you're doing that already, thanks again. It means a lot. Your donations have helped me make the move last month from GarageBand to Logic Pro and a suite of Isotope tools so that I can keep pushing the sound design of this show, staying as much as I can at the point of learning. Thanks as always to Schaefer James, her intro and outro music, the new studio release of songs Schaefer wrote with Kate Douglas for their musical The Ninth Hour, which is a retelling of the Beowulf story that kills in so many ways, just dropped with a brand new study guide hot off the PDF presses, curated by someone you're listening to right now. Thanks to Niskus for sharing video and audio of this speech. Thanks to Greg Jackson of Action J Productions for overseeing the video release. And thanks to you for listening, subscribing, rating, five stars, and reviewing this podcast wherever you get it. Reviewing only takes a minute and really helps people find this resource. I'll be back at you in early fall with my interview featuring retired Navy SEAL and Hall of Fame coach, Dr. John Havlick. See you then. All the days they needed to do construction right across the street, and here we are. Yeah, right.